0: Uh, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to wherever you're listening. I'm 4020, and joining me is 60s as always, and this is the tip sheet for Round 9. How are you doing, mate?
1: Oh, mate, feeling beautiful. Anytime Parramatta has a win, it's a good night.
0: Yeah, cloud number 9 in Round 9, although probably probably not as pretty a cloud as you would expect, given um what we've produced this year. But uh, Parramatta 10, defeat the Newcastle Knights 4, uh, up up at, well, it was once upon a time, Marathon, but uh, McDonald Jones now, I believe is what it's called. Uh, McDonald Jones Stadium, uh, yeah. What was the the first takeaway for this from this one for you, mate?
1: I think it's one of those games where we were off our game, perhaps for the first time this season. Really off our game in the first half. We were a little bit indecisive. Having said that, uh, my main take is about the strength of our defence, and that's probably what we'll talk about a bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's always that popular adage, isn't it, that defence wins championships, and that was the case today. The, the blue and gold war was uh, too too much for the knights to overcome, despite a glut of possession and territory, due to both Parramatta's own indiscretions and um, some interesting officiating. We'll, we'll get to that later, though. But yes. yeah, uh, like you said, off off our game for sure. Just a, a whole glut of um, errors that were so out of character. You know, we're talking about you know simple drop balls, push passes, errant kicks. Um, we're, we're definitely out of sync. I think for the majority of that game, when it came to attacking.
1: I think it was perhaps the first indication that it's a tough gig to play without your regular half. Absolutely,
0: yeah. I mean, we obviously we we cooked the the North Queensland Cowboys to the tune of forty two points last week, and so it was you know all sunshines and, and rainbow rainbows rather, not a singular rainbow. But yeah, like you're like you're saying, when you sort of lose your your general, your field marshal, the guy that sends every player into the right position and tells everyone where to be at the right time, it's hard. It is real hard, and especially when you come up against a quality team like the Newcastle Knights, who are a legitimate Premiership contender this year.
1: Well, we saw the first example that Dylan Brown is still learning his craft. Mm-hmm. We're huge fans of Dylan Brown. We think he plays a lot more maturely than his age. However, we saw a couple of moments of real indecision, Absolutely. a little bit with the kicks. But that time when he made the break in the first uh, in that first half, and Burst out into the clear. Now, we're normally used to two things happening. Either he puts his foot on the accelerator and goes through it himself, or he links with the outside man. Today, he did neither. And it's not that it was, you know, going for the big play himself. It was more that there was that little bit of indecision.
0: Absolutely. Um, thankfully, though, he, he sort of found his groove in the back end of that game, and there was a number of pinpoint kicks that really pinned Newcastle deep in their own half. But, yeah, that was the first game, as you said, that we've really seen him be in two minds and not know what the right option is clearly as soon as he has the ball or before he possesses the ball. So, you know, learning learning lesson for Dylan, and he, he, you know, beyond that, 25 tackles with just one missed and one ineffective. He was an absolute lumberjack out there cutting down everything sent his way. So you've got to be happy with that on the defensive side. But big, big set of um teaching tape for him, and as it is for the entire team. This was a, a very rough performance in offense, and they'll come out of this knowing that and, and this is something that Brad even gave credit to in the press. was saying that he probably overemphasised defence during the lead-up this game, so they'll know how to tweak it moving forwards.
1: And perhaps that's a little bit of an excuse that's available for our attack. The fact that we didn't spend as much time on attack at training, and I was there at training, so I can verify that there was a lot more emphasis that was placed on defence. Mm-hmm. And given the little bit of troubles that we've had, especially out on the edge around... Um, the Wunger Blake and Blake Ferguson, it's understandable that we were looking at tweaking our defense just a little bit more. And I think the evidence was there that it was a, the right call that uh, BA made this week. Yeah, well, and you'd have to that, say... was,
0: that was mind games, wasn't it? Because he knew that Newcastle knew to attack the right edge. So he, he threw the counter punch first with the, the combination of Ferguson and Blake jamming in really aggressively. Like we're talking Wunger jamming in on the half at times.
1: There was no mistake where Newcastle's intent lay today. Exactly, exactly. They threw everything that they possibly could out on that edge for Parramatta, and to Parramatta's credit, the defence read virtually every ploy that Newcastle threw at them quite well. Wanga Blake, we had some issues where he was arm-grabbing a little bit lately, there was no, I'm grabbing today.
0: No, he that was he laid brutal. the boom on, on Ponga a couple of times, and there was also a number of, uh, aside from shooting in aggressively, there was a number of really clutch uh, cover tackles on Jai Field's B-side gap, where he made a, a huge jamming tackle to save a line breaker multiple times in the second half. So, big effort from Wanger in defense. 23 tackles, three missed, but you know when you're a center, it's easy to miss a handful of tackles. Do you think he's going to face any charges for that hit on Ponga?
1: It's... A tough call. It the, is a The, the video—they
0: never gave us the reverse video angle from the the left, our left edge sideline, to show where that right shoulder went, which is what the you know the important, the money call is for that shot. Because the left arm, left side of Wonga was fine, so I, I don't know. That's.
1: I'm more worried about the tackle, the second tackle that he was penalised for. The first one, I thought it was just a big hit, almost like uh, Mike Acebo's hit the other week where he was incorrectly well, penalised. The, the
0: it, it's an absolute lottery with the Match Review Committee and the judiciary, and Parramatta's been on the wrong side of it recently, whereas there's been certain players like Latrell Mitchell and Cameron Murray that have been uh, kissed on the, the woodpecker, I'd say. So, yeah, um, the second incident you're talking about, obviously, was when uh, Callum Pong was taking a, hit, a regulation hit up out of his red zone, slipped heavily, so he was almost parallel to the ground, and um, got but I, I thought that it was lucky to be a panel if anything cuz wanga might have given him a haircut um in terms of contact i think he just brushed the top of his head but who knows it
1: almost looked it almost looked like he was applauding into his head you know, <laughs> when it when when the camera was giving you the slow motion it was like his hands came together in a clapping motion on the top <laughs> of his
0: head swatting a fly eh
1: swatting a fly indeed well, that can was... we just get can we can we Talk about the statement that you made before about the importance of defence because that statement about defence wins premierships, you'd have to say that the Parramatta defence at this stage of the season looks like it's putting us in the mix.
0: Absolutely. Statistically, on on terms of differential, best defence in the competition can't be challenged by the end of the round because we had the best defence coming in and we only conceded four, which keeps us ahead of any of the chasers. So, you know, in, in empirical numbers, absolutely killing it. Um, but it's more than the numbers, it's the effort. Today, they just kept turning up. There was a number of offloads and, and loose balls from the Knights that were either intercepted or dived on by um, hustling defenders. Uh, you saw the interior defenders sliding outside again to cover up any line breaks. You saw multiple kicks chased down by big men. So, you know, it makes a difference. And you can see why Brad was very pleased about the defensive effort in his presser because that is the sort of game that Newcastle being one of our real bogey teams, I think the record, the, the Fox stat coming to the game was 11 of last 14 won by Newcastle, I think, something like that. Absolutely horrendous. That's the sort of game that they run away with against us in the past.
1: And when we had that start, and we're going to get into the offic- some of the officiating calls in a minute, but when we had that start with the call went that Wayne oh. stepped in touch, <laughs> and you could almost feel that in the past that – Oh, New, New, Newcastle!
0: Newcastle score that set and just put the foot on the throat from there. Absolutely, I, I have no doubts about that. Um, yeah, highly, highly contentious call. I thought that the first replay showed there was a pretty obvious sliver of glass, glass, grass between the the boot and the sideline. But we got one quick look at it before the the game sort of resumed, and they didn't talk about it again. And yeah, that that sort of set the trend for the officiating, didn't it?
1: Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. I'm going to run through a few things that I think were contentious. I want you to pick out a couple that you think are worth talking about. We have that kickoff call. We had the Sevo play the ball where the Newcastle Knights boot definitely made
0: contact. That's right. There was hooked, It was hooked into the ruck and he got pinged for it. That's exactly, yes.
1: The Marnie no try. The offside
0: ricochet. From Mitchell Pierce down the left, that's right.
1: Yeah. Uh, the Knights, they did it all game, but there was one there where they stepped off the mark probably about two or three metres. It might have been SAS had one of the
0: interchange forwards, but he literally he spun out of the completed tackle from Ryan Madison, walked three metres off the mark, played the ball, and Madison got uh, pinged for six again for being offside. Unreal.
1: Yes. And then finally, checking the obstruction as part of Parramatta's challenge on the ref's
0: which Which raises the, a, a huge red flag um, about the referees, the discretionary powers to influence the challenge. And even then... Given that he further enhanced the scope of the challenge that the eels weren't trying to challenge, they're going back. I don't think Reed money did anything wrong. Dylan Brown ran into him, and there were two defenders either side of of Dylan Brown that then had an opportunity to play at him. He never impeded a defender, so
1: that uh, D- my D- D- was it Dylan Brown or Guffo.
0: Oh, sorry, Quentin Guffson, Sorry, yeah, Quentin uh, Guffson, Yeah, yeah. yeah. the the, yeah, the, defender, so, the defenders were never impeded, and you know, lo and behold, apparently to give the Knights one last grandstand chance. So
1: let's. Let's talk about that then because that's a really important aspect to talk about, the, the refs' challenge. Now, we have had issues, uh, refs' challenges in the past where a different ruling has been made. There's been something else that's been picked up in the play. However, from the moment that Parramatta made the challenge, the referee immediately said today... Discretionary for that's right. Let's check the obstruction. Now, Parramatta were challenging the call of a knock-on on. the restart. So, what is that ref's discretion? Especially the when ref- the referee
0: has the power to go no try, go upstairs, check for the offside, or oh, sorry, the op- offside, the in um the obstruction.
1: Correct. So, what is the point of the team challenge? Is that team's challenge, the captain's challenge, another opportunity? For the referee to use the bunker, because today that's all that was. That was a exactly. referee's opportunity to use the bunker, not not Parramatta's.
0: I agree, hundred percent. And it was a really, really bad weekend for the bunker and officiating in general, um, going well beyond the scope of the Parramatta Newcastle game. We saw the uh, Canberra Raiders get hammered on a, I I don't even know where to begin, but the uh, so, so I was about to say Sorensen, the, the Simonson uh, Sin Binning which uh, was a huge uh, turning point in that game because the Melbourne Storm scored directly as a result of it. And Canberra were left with a man short in the bin. Um, yeah, and just going back, the the West tigers uh, Rabbitohs game was another mess of officiating between the scuffles and, uh, you know, missed scores in there. So I don't know. I, I feel like officiating is at an all-time low. Uh, I feel like the bunker is not doing what it's meant to do when it comes to a number of things, but we'll get onto that later. I I, I don't know where to begin. Do we need a second ref back to help control the ruck? Do we need more touches if their eyes open to see forward passes and offsides? Um, You know, I don't know. I don't know.
1: Well, let's dig into that when we come to a little bit later in this podcast.
0: Correct, correct, correct.
1: Just just finally, uh, talking about the match, the match review component, man of the match for you. Uh, I'm looking at, Gutho and Nathan Brown on my short list. Yeah, I, had, I
0: had those two players in the right in the mix for best on field. The other two names I'll throw onto the hat, uh, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, who cracked the double ton again. another huge effort from the big man, especially with Junior Polo absent for unknown reasons in the second half. And the, the player that I'll probably put down for my best, uh, the most influential playmaker on the field, and that was uh, Little Reed Barney, who should have had a try to his name, kicked really astutely, set up Ryan Madison for a gorgeous little wraparound piece from Junior Polo. And was just you know hugely influential around the middle for us.
1: Just on that call with Reed Marnie, your your thoughts on
0: it? I I, I don't understand how the Newcastle Knights can get advantage for a whole set from a, a late tackle on callan Ponga, which was contentious as to whether it was a penalty in the first place. And then, not only did Parramatta not get uh, the same call f- reciprocated for Dylan Brown in the second half, but on top of that, you have the that that no try where. Murata Niakori makes a fantastic run, clearly gets to his feet and plays the ball before David Klammer interferes with his feet and trips him over. So the the play the ball was legitimate. So it's now advantage. Parramatta, that is. Advantage Parramatta. Reid money, you know, showing good vision, gets out of dummy half, realising there's no markers and retreating defenders of Kalen Ponga in the, that little flood of retreating defenders as well, and scores what should have been an obvious try. I, I do not understand why that was given as a no-try penalty because Murata Niakori did did not use the ball to prop himself up off the ground. Got the both feet struck the ball off his foot, which is entitled to do, and is then impeded by David Clemmer. So it's at that point it is a penalty with advantage, and it should have been a try to Parramatta.
1: I ask this: if that happened fifty meters upfield, and Reed Marney ran ten meters and was tackled, so there wasn't a try-scoring movement, would it be a six again call? what happened?
0: Uh based on what we saw today for Parramatta, no. <laughs> we we didn't get many six agains in some fairly obvious situations. So I think in vacuum more likely fall, In a vacuum you know, like, in a yeah. vacuum at six again, yes. Yes.
1: But because yes, so
0: but the try scoring opportunity affords the advantage call, in my opinion at least.
1: Back to the two players that I wanted to mention, Gutho and Nathan Brown. Gutho again came up with the big moments mm-hmm. as well as countless smaller moments throughout the game to so take that quick tap to look up to see here's a key moment take the quick tap set up the match winning try you can't go past the captain being right up there in man of the Absolutely match not, you know, he
0: was he was immense and, he um he and, tended the goals really, really efficiently um he was <laughs> really unlucky on on that um, one occasion where they nearly scored the Matching try because he got uh, obstructed by the goalpost, funnily enough. But yeah, Guffer was huge.
1: And Nathan Brown, relentless, absolutely Mm. relentless today. You can't say too much more about a bloke who is making the number of carries that he did today and constantly putting Newcastle on the back foot. There's no big play where he's breaking the line or surging out into the open. It's just constantly barraging the Newcastle defence and ask, and demanding that they do their best to tackle him, and that just wears the defence out. Those constant charges that bend and challenge the line. So barring,
0: I, barring I, one questionable pass to Sean Lane that put the big man under pressure, it was um if you're looking at the stat sheet you'd be mistaken or be forgiven for mistaken as it, Is it a, Jas- a Jason Tamalolo game, 28 carries for 273 metres, 52 tackles with four missed. So absolutely monstrous game. Hang on, 60s. We've got a call coming through. Hello, you got TCT. Who have we got here?
2: Sol, I just rang to say I hate you, Parramatta germs, stealing our players, playing at our stadium. I had a girlfriend once. We've been going out nine months, and she dropped me for a para player. You make me sick, you bastards.
1: Um, you wouldn't happen to be a Tiger supporter, would you, mate? It's, um, it's Sol, is it? I reckon we'll just call you Salty. Bastards.
0: Don't be like that, Salty. How about we get to know you just a little bit better? What have you been up to lately, mate?
2: Well, it was my birthday last Thursday. On the ninth. That's right.
0: I half expected a September birthday, mate.
2: Nah, that's my wedding anniversary. 9th <laughs> of the 9th. I'll never forget that. Sure, she's not exactly the girl I wanted, but she was the best I could
0: manage. I'm sorry to hear that mate. How long have you been married to the missus?
2: Uh, almost ten years.
0: Oh. So we're talking about you know you know nine years here. That's pretty good. Okay, okay. Let's get back to your birthday mate. Did you do anything special last week?
2: Played a bit of golf in the morning.
0: How many holes? nine. (laughs) Sounds about right. Well, if that was the morning, what about the afternoon, mate? What was on then?
2: Uh, I went to the pub with me mates. I had a bit of a punt on the greyhounds as I got a good tip.
0: I know where this one's going.
2: I think Salty's safe here, mate. There's only eight dogs in a race.
0: True, true. So how'd the bet go then, Salty?
2: I came ninth. A bulldog jumped the fence and chased the lure. Couldn't even beat the bulldog. Oh salty! Look, we got something for you to cheer up. he's organised some
1: theme music for your call. Yeah,
0: we got the DJ, got the DJ for you, mate. Number
2: nine,
1: number nine,
0: number nine. Bastards. Number, nine number nine. Oh, he's gone. Gee, that was an interesting one, mate. I will tell you what, I never should have signed up for that raffle at West Leagues when I went last week. Those unsolicited <laughs> phone calls will get you, eh?
2: You do, you do. Well, that's good. Let's let's see if Salty rings in again next week.
1: Now, just moving away from the match itself, a couple of other points uh, now that we're going to get on to. Stefano's debut.
0: Yeah, well, unfortunately, you'll probably be more remembered for the controversial post-game scenes than the actual debut itself. But it was good to see the big man get on for the last carry of the game. One run, eight metres. So uh, well, well done to the young bull. Um, but, yeah, that that was uh, the sort of game that you'd never throw a rookie into for big minutes, was it?
1: No, it was understandable. I always thought that we were going to be looking at less than five or six minutes game time for his first game. There just wasn't the right opportunity
0: absolutely, absolutely not, to, send, no.
1: to send him into the game. So he did get that carry. I guess we hear more about any. COVID and breach. so yeah, and for those that aren't aware,
0: um, he went up to see some friends, family, and there were some actual Parramatta juniors in there as well. I'm saying you know, well done on debut. And unfortunately, and- in any other year or any other season, that's completely fine and would be a huge part of the rookie debut process. But with the uh, bubble protocols in place, that's a big no-no. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. Bradman best got one week in isolation, who played against us this um today, as, as you may have noticed. So. Um, that, that might be the standard rate now. It depends on what happens. So he could be out for one or two weeks, depending on what the NRL deems is uh, sufficient isolation and quarantining.
1: Well, let's hope that, first of all, we don't end up with any suspension around Wonga Blake. And we have our fingers crossed for Stefano because we're not going to see uh, Ray Stone back anytime soon. No, no Oregon Kafusi. No Oregon Kafusi. So we are and with a, a question
0: mark lingering over Junior Paula, who didn't take part in the second half. That's a little bit scary now.
1: Yeah, and I don't think we'll be seeing Kane Evans because I haven't seen him out on the training paddock doing any rehab. Now, I'm not, he's listed as indefinite, and, um, you know, I, I don't really want to talk about how long someone's likely to be out, but, you know, if they haven't got into their uh, rehab process to the stage where they're running, the chances are it's going to be at least another couple of weeks, you would think. Worst, worst uh, case scenario,
0: Junior junior Polo has X injury. He's got a hamstring injury or, or a calf injury, knowing our luck, and he's out for a couple of weeks. Uh, Stefano goes into two-week isolation. What are we doing next week? Obviously, Reagan Campbell-Guard's carrying the load at prop. Who joins him in the front row?
1: You're probably looking at Polar. Starting? I, and I don't think it's out of the realms the possibility that Andy Davey gets a run. Andy could play middle. He's
0: yeah, he gives you that flexibility middle. to play edge or middle, that's right. Yeah,
1: yeah. but we're really starting to talk about getting to the end of our resources. And do we Do we, we get a lone talk, player? <laughs> well, outside of that, we could be talking about a development player like Sam Hughes. Yeah, yeah. Now, that, that, Dan, that was the
0: out of left field uh, uh, player that I was considering when I was formulating my thoughts to the question.
1: Yeah, it's it's not outside the realms of possibility. I don't believe he's he is in the extended squad, and it's part he is training. So and it, June and
0: it's not the June thirty deadline, but you can get special exemption to play development players in these sort of uh, scenarios. So and, and we're not we wouldn't be expecting much of young Sam Hughes in that scenario. Obviously, he'd be on the bench doing the sort of yeah, what, if, what's what's the final got this week between that five and ten minutes here and there. Yeah,
1: yeah. So let's. Keep our fingers crossed that that scenario doesn't eventuate, and everyone's that should be available right now outside of the Knock major injuries yeah. is available. And let's very very quickly get to uh, Gowie. The 100, other boy, hundred game milestone for the club. Possibly not one of his better games today. <laughs> did you know defensively? Did pretty much what was required. He looked like uh, modern- a man that
0: hasn't been playing reserve grade for most of the season, didn't he? He did a yeah, good job last yeah. year, last last year, last week when Parramatta had all the running in the second half, but this is the sort of slugfest that coming in with not much fuel in the tank because it hasn't been a proper Canterbury cup was going to hurt you. And, you know, he still, he still got for his work for us, but yeah, it wasn't as effective as last week.
1: And the thing is, and it is, un- it is unfair to judge him on this particular game, but, you know, we're in a situation where these players have to step up to the mark as soon as they're needed. What I will say about Gowie is that every year he prepares himself expecting that he's going to be playing first grade. And
0: that's even if he does correct attitude.
1: Feature, even if he doesn't feature in discussions in the preseason, as pundits and are saying their team, he says, I will get called upon and, he's and I right, will be ready.
0: He's been right every year.
1: You don't get to 100 games with the club without that's being about right you. about that every year. Correct.
0: And yeah, Can we, we talk? We, funny funny fact that came up for me when I was doing my research for Team West Tuesday, but second longest tenured player at the club in terms of consecutive years. The um, one of only two players at the club that's been with Brad Arthur ever since he took over in 2014. Can you guess the other player? Uh,
1: it's Brad Takarangi was the second year, wasn't he? He came in
0: in 2015, correct.
1: I'm now struggling. Who's uh, the uh the butcher. The... Oh, Penny Terrapo. Penny Terrapo,
0: that's right. Yeah, the only two players that have been through Brad with every high and every low. Crazy stat right there, isn't it?
1: Well, it is an indication about the turnover.
0: Absol- <laughs> if that isn't, I don't know what is because that isn't absolutely crazy, isn't it? That the only two players from the twenty fourteen squad. Left. I mean, technically, Daniel Alvaro was in reserve grade during that season, but he wasn't part of the first grade squad. So, the only two NRL tenured players.
1: It is really about reshaping the club and especially the forwards. You'd have to say. Yeah,
0: and semantically, Junior Paulo at the club during that period, but he left um, for Canberra. So, yeah, in terms of consecutive tenure, Penny Treppo and David Gower. There you go. All right. We've well,
1: just we've just been talking about the players who can't get a run or the players that might be called upon, I should say. Today, there was a Reggie scrimmage. I just wanted to say a few words about that 40. Of course, mate.
0: No, no, you tee off right here.
1: I was hoping to see some of our fellas in action against someone other than their club mates. It was a good thing that Newcastle provided that stream today, but unfortunately it was impossible to see anything with the quality of the stream And unless you were a relative of Phoenix Crossland who (laughs) must have been mentioned 2,000 times during their call, you didn't really learn as much about any player at all. What I can say for people who are listening to this right now about the form of the players that are running around without getting a game, there's more that you learn from an opposed session that these blokes are involved in than what you would have seen today. Blokes like George Jennings and Hayes Dunster, they've had fair moments lately. I wouldn't have any qualms if either of those two fellas had to be brought in for a game or two. And the other fella who's surprised me is Jordan Rankin. He looks to have settled in really quickly. I've liked the work that he's been doing with the ball. He seems, well, he is a mature player by age. He spent a lot of time over in England. I think if he was needed... He wouldn't let the Earls down. I really do. That's really that. encouraging.
0: So, really encouraging because, you know, being such a late acquisition mid-season, there will be a lot of question marks about his ability to slot in. But good to hear that he's doing the right things at training, eh?
1: Yeah, that's that's the positive that I'll take out of what I've seen lately at, in the opposed sessions. Now, we touched on this before. The bunker.
0: Oh, the bunker. The but flunker, I, eh? Can
1: I, let, can, I, can I let you loose now? Can I just say... You hog wild can play. let me off
0: the chain. You can let me hog wild, but I don't know where to start. Um, you know, millions of dollars invested into a new system that was meant to bring stability and consistency to the tertiary officiating, the video officiating. And it is a coin flip every time it goes up. Every week you've got Gray Manager coming out saying, oh, you know, the Broncos got this wrong. And, you know, in my opinion, they should have done this. It's meant to be the one set of officials bringing consistent interpretations of calls across the eight different games in a, a full week of any given NRL round. And we just don't know what's going to happen every time it goes up there. And, you know, Parramatta send a, a challenge upstairs today and, you know, the bunker comes back and says that, not that, forget their challenge, there's an obstruction elsewhere that wasn't an obstruction. You know, we talked about the Canberra Raiders game earlier and, you know, Bowie Simonson getting Simbin for merely competing for the ball legitimately. And I don't know. I just don't know. It, it is such a mess. And the entire officiating process is a mess. And I know people hate to hear ref blaming and, you know, ref blaming is a cop-out and all that sort of stuff. Well, the system is rotten, you know. And, and, and someone, uh, between me and you, so someone who's attended the lower grades regularly from, you know, 16s, 18s into 20s and Reggies, there's, n- there's no great refs pushing through either. The, the NRL is fundamentally broken when it comes to officiating and I don't know how to fix it. I don't know if it's a, a matter of mere money, if it's a matter of, you know, a, sort of some sort of auditory, uh, you know, investigation. I do not know, but it, it's not working and I'm not happy <laughs> because it, it, it makes the game so frustrating. You know, Parramatta uh, uh, sort of fielding the most dominant pack in the co- competition amongst all pundits. They're saying, Parramatta, it's them, the Roosters. They've got the best pack. Consistently outrunning teams, out-tackle-breaking teams, out-offloading teams, having complete ascendancy in the middle. Do you know what the set restart count was today? Seven, I hate seven, seven set restarts to Newcastle, free to Parramatta. And, you know, that's indicative of the entire season for us. We've been a dominant forward pack that isn't getting the seven, the seven, seven again, the six again calls. And I don't know. Once upon a time, we're told that only the good teams can get those sort of calls. And here we are as the best team in the competition. We still can't buy a call like that.
1: Well, I looked at last week's game where we were obviously dominant beyond belief. When did we get our first penalty last week?
0: It was well into the second stanza. That was shades of the... Uh, there was a game against St. George in 2017 and also the same year when we beat the Broncos 54-28 to 28 or something like that where we lost the penalty count 10-2. I mean, Parramatta have been on the, the weird side of some lopsided penalty counts and six again calls.
1: I've got some thoughts on this. I don't want to get into referee bashing because it is a tough job and the referee's jobs have been made tougher rule changes.
0: Absolutely. The the lack of the lack of consistency from the directive above is a huge part of it too. There's, you know, either there's monthly crackdowns that it mandated, or like you said, there's you know this season's been under a, a weird flow because we've had multiple rule changes across the course of a already impacted season.
1: The referees, I've seen them in action training because they come during the preseason to training of different clubs. They're available to referee opposed sessions for clubs all through the pre-season, they might even do it during the season proper. I haven't seen them at. Parramatta I do. Training. I do
0: believe that the Dowie Telly has referenced uh, the Roosters doing such a thing at, at points. I don't, I don't know if it yeah. was recently, but in the past they have.
1: Yeah, they have. They have at Parramatta in the past during the season proper. However, I'm I'm what I'm not sure about is, right now with the with the COVID restrictions Correct. If now, the, bu- that, the bubble that, and whatnot. <laughs> Yeah, now that would seem crazy seeing as though they'd be out there. In, in the uh, actual game, interacting days. with players, so, correct.
0: But you never know.
1: Yeah, so so you'd think off you'd think they must be able to come into the bubble, but who knows? We we don't get updated on those sorts of aspects of rules. But having seen the preparation that they put in, they are in physically prime condition. You couldn't have referees fitter than what they are. There is no question about their dedication. There is no question about their fitness. What frustrates me is that I think there's times that the sideline officials let them down a bit. I think there's times when, obviously, the bunker lets them down a bit. And the problem that happens with the bunker, from my perspective, is that the bunker is called on for times when it's not needed. I'd hate to see a situation where we didn't have the video referee because if we didn't have the video referee, I think we'd have an absolute mess when it comes to some of the tries and no tries. Oh, absolutely.
0: absolutely. It has become an integral part of the game. You need the video ref.
1: You see so many times that decisions are overturned either way, one way or another. And for all of our, our outcry about some of the tries that we're not happy with, Again, I'd hate to see what we'd end up with if we didn't have a video referee, with, especially with those some of the spectacular wingers' tries that you see. Mm. How, however, what we're seeing now in terms of checking things that go beyond grounding and start looking at obstruction plays that aren't obvious to the referees as they're in the run of play, I, I just... I'm lost for words some of these calls. Some of the obstruction calls, it's it's not what the game's about.
0: Exactly, exactly. And yeah, so, um, I mean, I, I can't proffer up a solution. I do not know how to fix it because I think that's how big the problem is. It's a systemic problem in the NRL. And look, officiating is hard and you mentioned that right there, didn't you? But... It just yep. feels like there's so many fundamental issues going on. Like we're talking about blatant forward passes being missed, obvious knock ons being missed, inconsistent interpretations when it comes to obstructions. Um, you know, sometimes common sense and discretion is allowed, sometimes it isn't. Um, you know, you talk about the, They talk about how sometimes a defender was impeded but was never going to take part in a play, and other times the guy was impeded miles off the ball and it comes back for a penalty. So I, I don't understand. There's no consistent course. And you know, <laughs> and you know, obviously as a long-suffering Parafan, we have plenty of you know grumbles and grievances about the refs. But I just want consistency. I feel like you get yeah, consistency, you, you at least your product is at a good quality.
1: And let me just say too, because this is, uh, you know, being upset about referees has led to some of the more unsavory incidents that we've seen with for Fenua Blake. I've got just a couple of things to say about that. First of all. It was said many, many times to be a champion team, you have to be strong enough to overcome some bad calls. I agree. Now I take, I take out of today, a couple of times that you know it's come up about referees decisions today. What I take out of it is the Parramatta were good enough to overcome some bad calls. The other thing that I'll take out of that about the uh, referees getting abused out on the field, is I think it comes back to the, set, the standard that's set by the coaches. BA has, for a long period of time, well, ever since he's been in the job, not made anything out of the calls that happen out on the field in a press conference.
0: To the, now, wild, to the wild frustration of fans at times, right?
1: To the wild frustrations of fans. We can say whatever we like about referees, obviously, to a point. But we do at games, you will call out to the refs.
0: I'm always one calling <laughs> flag out Flag Boys the, Yeah, to my flag boys call. Never 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 anything out of the order like out of line though, I have to say. No, haven't no, haven't no. been in attendance of you for many games, it's never been anything profane or no. or disgusting. Uh, it's just good old banter.
1: It's wake up flag boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> exactly. That's and anyone that's here in the wake up flag boy, yes, that's me out. That is, there yeah, yes. that is making my presence known as uh, the legend that's it <laughs> however in in our frustrations about coaches uh, well anyone anyone that's a supporter supporter who's frustrated with BA not criticizing the referees all I'll say is have a look at what Adam Fanua Blake did yeah. the other week that that cannot that's, ever it's be tolerated ever no it, it's it, not on it's i think the standard is set by the coaches challenging or calling referees out after a game in a highly critical manner. It sets up excuses for the players. It gets the players angry about the referees themselves. Uh, we saw it last night again about uh, with Ricky Stewart. H- hopefully there's nothing that follows on from his players with that. Well, Elliot, Elliot Whitehead like- is a
0: known pest when it comes to badgering referees so he's he's definitely tread the line before and for Blake can count his lucky stars that he only got two weeks because if I was in a position of power you'd, I think it would be in closer to two months that was absolutely disgusting and not knowing does to bring the game to disrespute. but there is a, a bare modicum a bare modicum of respect that you should have for refs at the very minimum like the, that sort of baseline level and he was so far below that you don't have to like the referee you can you know 'cause referees oftentimes will press your buttons because they they're humans too. But what he did was so disgusting and, and inhumane that um, I have, you know, no issues with how the referee handled that particular um incident and he should have received more backing for the NRL. Because yeah. you know, that, like I said, that there's a bare minimum of respect that you like forget feeling that you should have plenty more respect as, as a you know a good player. You should be, you know, talking to referees in a much more uh level manner and, and not, you know, being as as big a grub as some players are. But what what Blake did was just way off the charts, and the fact that you know, I got two weeks is frankly embarrassing. Yeah. Now,
1: now that we've 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 had our say about referees, we've unloaded a little bit. We've blood also, blood pressure is going down a little bit now, thankfully. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: I'd like to just give my little bit of training trivia. Yeah, for the it's, week. A, it's about that
0: time of day, so let's let's dive into what caught 60's eyes at our training this week.
1: What's caught my eye, actually, over the last couple of weeks is that Micah Sivo seems to be trying his best to emulate Semi with his kicking now. <laughs> it's, it's not enough that he could get up there with his rate of scoring tries. He now seems like he might fancy himself as a goal kicker. I will say at this moment, Semi's not under any serious threat whatsoever. I won't describe the kicks as yet, but that's not—it's not stopping Micah from having a crack every week. And who knows? He might get there. Every every third or fourth shot actually has something to offer.
0: <laughs> uh, sounds like me at the golf course, mate.
1: Yeah, but beyond that, yeah, he's a—he's a work in progress. <laughs> now, before we wrap up. Can you talk a
0: little bit about Ask40, yeah? So, um, we're well, moving forwards, we'll have an Ask40 segment for every podcast. So, just at Eels TCT with the hashtag Ask40 and hit us up with um, both myself and 60s of whatever footy questions you got. So, um, yeah, don't be afraid. Yeah, send us in, you know, whether it's from the last week's game, upcoming games, or season in general. Let us know what you're thinking, what you want to know, mate.
1: That sounds like a terrific idea i'm looking forward to some of the questions that are coming in i don't know I'm if sure I <laughs> well i reckon if there's anyone who can answer a footy question it's going to be 40 20 it's uh it's been a fantastic uh, chat after a win today mate um any anything you want to add in our wrap-up
0: I think that that's close to it, isn't it? Sort of going to have an interesting West Tuesday penning the fitness of, uh, of Junior Polo. I mean, Brad Arthur was talking about the return of Mitchell Moses soon, saying he's moving pretty freely. So then that whole uh, reshuffle based around what happens there with Mitch and, and Jay Field and the bench. I don't know. Lots of fun speculation to be had. We've only got two days to wait, though. So, yeah, we'll catch everyone on TLT, on TCT, which is a nice little mouthful. And, yeah, in the meantime, hit us up on Twitter. Make sure you're, you're reading Commonwealth articles. And I hope everyone has a a good week.
1: Cheers, Forty. I look forward to all of your posts that are coming up over the next couple of days. Cheers, mate. Keep well. See you, mate.